Welcome to The Uncertain Artist, where each week we discuss the highs and lows of carving out a life in the arts, specifically the collaborative arts, and mostly here in Seattle. Our starting point each week is an episode of the YouTube show, The Uncertain Detective, which was created by me, Greg Lashow, and I'm joined by our show's writing and story consultant, Joe Guppy. Today, we'll be discussing episode 16 with our guest, the fabulous filmmaker, producer, Sue Corcoran, who helped us out with that episode. So, Joe, did you watch episode 16? I, I did, but first I want to just welcome the folks to the most controversial episode <laughs> of uh, The Uncertain uh, Artist. Spoiler alert. Uh, spoiler alert. Later on, the, the fur will fly, is yeah. what I've been saying. Yeah. But, um, stay tuned for that. Mm. Yeah, I did get to uh, to uh, watch the episode and thoroughly enjoyed it, as, as usual. Nice. So yeah. tell us something. Um, remind me of what's in it, because I did not get a chance to watch sure. it. I tried. It was... Schedule. Uh, well, I I really enjoyed that opening scene, which I think we're gonna preview. Uh, 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 is this uh, uh, with the phone? This is where there's a pile of blankets that start moving, and uh, it's um, it's it's Megan being woken up by her alarm, and then woken up by you calling. Uh, and I trip and lose my phone in the woods. Yeah, let's do it. Let's hear it. Hello. What? I I just thought you might want to wake up call for the shoot. Uh, nine o'clock. No, no, this shoots at noon. It's nine o'clock now. Okay, sorry. Oh, you know what I never do? Run. I'm gonna run down this hill. Yeah, whatever. fun and weird because to listen to because uh, it brought me right back to that shoot and I must have yelled the name Megan like 72 times we did so many different takes uh, and you know at various times very kind passers-by came along to make sure everything was okay and to help um, and to help you look for your phone help me or? well there are there are now four uh, old cell phones uh, in in our lock and park waiting for whoever it comes along because <laughs> once I'd thrown it, I couldn't find it. <laughs> yeah. What'd yeah. you like? What else did you uh, enjoy? Well, I did enjoy the uh, the scenes that we're going to talk with our guests about yeah. the uh, the the makeup artist scenes. Yeah. Uh, well, Let me welcome you back. Happened. Last week, uh, Charlie uh, was kind enough to sub for you. Mm. You look you look uh, like you had some good rest. Yeah, I I, I kind of have to take time off at least once a once a year. Yeah. You know, and really pull the plug. Yeah. And of course, I got got sick, which uh, helps you helps you pull the plug also. But uh, and, you know, I'm just now realizing why. Like my heart's beating kind of fast, and it's definitely not uh, 
because I'm nervous around our guest because she's just the kindest person. But the reason is now I'm now we met this morning to continue working on the script for yeah. season three, episode one. I then met with my my new locations manager, who seems like he's going to be wonderful and is probably the most important person involved in the whole thing. And we're about to start filming and uh, it's nerve wracking. And I can't wait to talk to Sue about it because, uh, uh, you know, she's helped me in the past and she's just a model in the community for, for getting stuff done mm-hmm. the right way. So welcome, Sue Corcoran. You are so sweet. <laughs> well, it's just true. You stand <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the same about you oh, because you. you just consistently, continually make art. And that's not easy to do. And that's good to hear because, okay, so I think I've mentioned before I've quit everything I've ever done. No joke. I mean, I just have. I've gotten to a point where I thought, okay, can't do it, won't do it. And I got there mm-hmm. uh, over the weekend. Mm. Um, and I talked with my eldest, Sam, who's in the music world. And he also puts out stuff and has to edit himself and listen to his voice over. You know. mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I, I just, and he said, dad, it's your job. Mm. Like you're, huh. you're here to put stuff out so that people can see it. Do you know, do your job. You know, it was so like, whoa, that was really, uh, I'm getting the chills just remembering it. You know? Do you know who, who used to say that uh, all the time? Jerry Lewis? <laughs> Possibly Jerry Lewis, but. Stephen Jesse Bernstein has been mm. quoted as saying that many times. Just do your job. Yeah. Isn't that great? That's a, there's a great name. Yeah. I think there's yeah. something to that because artists can get so caught up on their own artistic voice. Mm. And in a way, you let go when you have to just work. Mm. You have to work. Mm-hmm. You go to work every day, quit complaining, you know, instead of getting all in your head. Like, mm-hmm. You have to, like, put bread on the table. You have to make things happen. You have to do it. And you're like describing yourself. I mean, th- what we, if someone were to think of you beyond the like, what a joy to be in the room with Sue Corcoran, you're, you get stuff done. I'm really trying to make sure I don't get mad at him. Oh, I, I think, th- yeah. Th- yeah, this is all preventive. I, I think that preventive preview defense, of the, yeah. the controversy that's <laughs> coming. Uh. But I want to start with, yeah, like, I mean, is that just because you're, I think you're from Chicago. I'm from Chicago. Is that just, that's the Midwest ethic or oh, <laughs> gravy's nodding. Have very much money. Mm-hmm. You know, well, that's all I mean, of us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think there's something to that, you know, like you start working when you're a kid, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And um, just, I mean, I was around before it was like, you had to be 16 or, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you go and you make, you figure it out and you do it. And there's all kinds of uncertainty and there's insecurities and um, being an artist is, I don't know why any, any of us chose it, except that when you remember why you chose it, because mm-hmm. there's joy in it. Right. And yeah. you have to Aww. keep getting back. You yeah. have to get back to the joy. Mm-hmm. When you lose the joy, tell yourself it, you got to go to work. Mm-hmm. So do you I have like a trigger that, that can help you? Oh, right. This is supposed to be fun or something like it. Or like how, because it's hard when you're in the midst of it, especially if you're mm. filming, right? To remember that. I think I am old now. Mm. And how that's helpful? Yeah. Because I have done so many projects and I, and now I can look in the rear view and go, why didn't I have more fun? Mm. I mean, there were moments of fun, but there were so Mm. many moments of me putting a lot of pressure on myself, um, you know, feeling like a failure, 
Um, and then you're like, but boy, you know, why, why didn't I enjoy myself at the rap party? You know, why mm -hmm. actually I saw an article come out in like time magazine or something about the Oscars and about how so many people had a terrible time who won Oscars, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Um, not to compare ourselves to them. <laughs> um, but just, I think it's, you know, looking in the rear view and being like, I want to try to have joy and remember why I did this in the first mm -hmm. place. Cause it, cause it filled me with wonder and joy. And so how did you get started in the world of film? I just decided I wanted to do it like somewhere partway through college. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like in photography class and like, you know, liberal arts and like in a rock band. And um, I just, I got a job at NBC because um, I need to make money. In Chicago. Not in Chicago, no. in Champaign, Illinois. Champaign, Illinois. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was, a, they gave me a job as a, I just went in every day and I went to the front desk going, who can I talk to so I can work here? Mm. And um, about two months into that, they hired me. And so it was great because they put a camera in my hands. I started editing. I mean, this is a million years ago, but wow. I was like, just I just learned on the job. And I heard you talking to Joe before we started about you're currently fundraising. And I heard that great attitude of, I mean, it's more money than I could possibly raise, but somehow we're just going to get it done is what I'm quoting you. Yeah, and I think it, it's it's not a question of if it's a question of when, mm -hmm. right? You know how it is. You start moving forward. So mm -hmm. you're not going to give up halfway through. Well, why don't you, you know? tell tell us earlier we were talking about, I, I asked you, what's the feature about? And then we decided, we're, well, let's save that for the podcast. Right. Why don't you tell us what, uh, give us the, the, the elevator pitch on that. Um, Shooting Palmer is a female powered sci-fi comedy about the survival of human creativity in the age of artificial intelligence. Oh, nice. Mm, that's very that's a good pitch, yeah. That's yeah. a good pitch. And female powered means? Well, it's filled with female main characters. Um, I think the other side of that is that it's also being, it's written, directed, produced by females. So it's powered all around. And to what extent is female powered a central, crucial part of what you're doing? And to what extent is it helps me get the movie made? Um, the, the phrase I and the, the idea of it. Oh, why does it help get the movie made? No, like to what extent do you make sure to bring in female powered when you when you do your pitch? Is it is it a hundred percent because it's at the core of what we're doing, or is it twenty percent that and eighty percent I can get more money if I say those no, words? No, I think it's at the core of what I'm doing because the whole thing is told from a female perspective. Um, and it's told from a female perspective because I happen to be a female and mm -hmm. it's a very personal story. Mm -hmm. um, it's about a girl who gave up her independent film dreams and went into corporate video. Mm -hmm. And when she's working with the CEO, she gets caught up in a terrible sexual harassment incident mm -hmm. that then leads her to get promoted to shoot mm -hmm. like the big commercial for this new artificial intelligence mm -hmm. device for Elite Cloud, which is a big tech company. Mm -hmm. This could be great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you are in the corporate world yourself yeah. when yeah. that's how you make money. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Sounds good. I, I, I don't know if this is universally true, but sometimes you, when you say science fiction, you think Arnold Schwarzenegger or something, you know, kind of a more of a mantra. You're old, Joe. Yeah. yeah. What's that? We are old. Yeah. If yeah. science fiction equals yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> well, it's just it's just sometimes I think perceived as a uh, 
shoot him up kind of ma- macho kind of uh interesting because oh, i think star trek and i actually think ed wood because mm-hmm. there's sort of a movie so 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 the main character there is an edwardness to there's the, an edwardness yeah. to this yeah. there is a the, the female the character at the center of this when she gets this commercial mm-hmm. she uses it as cover to use the other sound stage mm. at the company to finish her final scene of her film. Oh, good. And the movie inside the movie is a monster sci-fi movie called The Monster Within. Mm. Um, and there is, de- so there's definitely this like making of a movie. And you, riddle me this, and maybe you guys know something I don't, but I was, you know, Fellini had eight and a half, you know, the mm. Coen brothers, Hail Caesar, there's Once Upon a Time and. Hollywood by Tarantino. I I have not seen, and there probably exists one out there. Mm. I haven't seen a movie about a female director making a movie. Mm. Have you? Because you are cinema buff. You might know. Uh, I mean, I saw this movie, uh, JR, which is Agnes Varda and this conceptual artist JR, and they go around and talk about making their works so it's mm-hmm. partly that but not at all in the sense that you're talking about no this sounds this is like, like it would be first like it's a comedy and, yeah, you know yeah. well is is that one sounded sounded more like a documentary but uh, it's a self-made like doc yeah it's kind of more like yeah whereas this is a fiction but it is about with the a, making of a film a movie, like, yeah. film within a film that's being made within the fictional story yeah and my main character is an idiot mm. <laughs> yay <laughs> okay so you're you know, some number of months, years, decades ago, thinking, is this your script or someone else's that you then took on? No, it's me and Angie okay. Louise wrote yeah. it. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so it's like, let's write a script and make it ourselves. That's the from the beginning or we're Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then now we have a script. Now let's set a deadline and let's set a imaginary but real number in the budget and let's go raise the money and act like it's gonna happen and that way it will happen. Yeah, I was going to do that anyway. And then I got the Washington Filmworks Small Budget Production Initiative, which really kind of jumpstarts it because out of the million dollar budget, um, you know, 300000 will be rebated. And also having that support, um, I think, makes a big difference. It kind of like gives it a stamp of approval. Um, I also had been doing some heavy conversations with some other production companies. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that sealed it for me, because I raised the money for Ira as well. Um, one of the things that sealed it for me in talking with other um, so uh, Ira is... Ira Finkelstein's Christmas. Oh, so that's um, your previous feature, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. In talking with some other production companies, I basically realized that if I had the money raised, I could go to, you know, a, another production company mm-hmm. that has first look deals and mm-hmm. just go, hey, you know, I've got the money's raised. Um, you know, and some of the people I was talking to were like, come back when the money's raised. We love the script. You know, it's kind of a make it easy for them and then leverage their distribution. So that's my plan. I'll let you know. So back to the Washington Filmworks, let's shout out that, right? Because this is the first year. Yes. Ryan Purcell was here in an earlier podcast and talked about it. And I went, oh, I got one of those because I applied for it as well on a much, much, much smaller budget and then sort of forgot I did it. And it, you're right. It, it gives a little stamp and, and like, it's real. I don't know why that would be for people, but it is. And they're well, you're chosen. You're selected. Uh, okay, actually, so actually yeah. there was a lot of, there was like 80 applications and a small handful of awards. And we're talking about a community that years ago, lots and lots of stuff was happening. And now lots of stuff is happening perhaps that I'm not aware of, but it's not stuff that's getting funded much. Is that 
sound right? What's the, what's the, like, you, you know, a lot of people who are working, is there much going on that yeah. rises to a level of excellence? I don't know. Yes. Yes. And no. I mean, and there's a lot of younger people, you know, there's a whole other community yeah, that we're not, that we're not of, a part right. of, or that the way that I get to be a part of it is like, you know, like yesterday I shot a promo and a gal that's been on my sets before, but you know, she's a PA. I hadn't really had a chance to talk to her, even though, you know, of course I, everybody, you know, I'm always like, Hey, be nice to the PA. <laughs> They're the ones who are going right. to hire you later. You know? <laughs> right, right. Um, and you know, it was great. Cause we got a chance to talk and it turns out she's doing a short in like a week. And you know, my, the person who shot mine is operating for her. And it was just great to make yeah. that connection. This is a common theme. I say not much is going on. And then my guest tells me about the 800 things that actually are going on. I don't know why I would think I know what it is or isn't. It's hard to know. And, you know, because I do think there's a lot more fragments. It's And, and I do think this is a bigger city than when, yeah, you know, in our much, early, yeah, yeah. early times. And just recently, I'd say within the last three weeks, I saw you on screen in Potato Comes to America. Uh, pay, potato Dreams of America. Potato Dreams of America. Oh, that was which one of the best days of my life. <laughs> which you co-produced? Yes. What a terrific film. Isn't it great? Yeah. I mean, I was just, I just loved it. I, you, know, I, Wes, you know, you have a vision and you make it happen and it's like indisputable. I don't know Wes at all, but it's indisputably Wes, his movie. Oh, so his. His, you, sh you, sh I'm going to introduce you to Wes. You I'd know what? That. We're going to go to Cafe Allegro <laughs> and we're going to go and we're going to have coffee. And I am going to introduce you to Wes because I absolutely love him. And and that's something I want to bring up because I think it's really important. Like, Wes is going to be a co-producer on my film, oh, too. Great. Okay? And my film is uh, It Takes a Village is part of the idea of it. Mm -hmm. um, like, Alan Prezan's involved. Peggy Case is involved. Jonathan Queso maybe is. Like, there's all these people I'm going to. And I'm like, hey, I'm totally into giving out producer back-end points. How can, how can you help me without it necessarily being a giant time suck for you or take away from the vision and the things you want to do. And over the past several mm. years, especially when I had kids, I didn't really have time to make a feature, mm. but I helped Megan Griffiths. I, you know, like I got involved in other people's mm -hmm. projects. Like what can I help bring for you? And like for Wes, it was like helping him bring in an investor and, mm -hmm. um, you know, and then like being able to best day in my life, just be a witchy woman at a party scene, <laughs> you know? And I was just in, he's doing a documentary. I can't talk about what it is, but I got to like totally flip my hair, like Farrah Fawcett and wear like, you know, totally like, you know, disco mm -hmm. leggings and the whole thing and dance around with a bunch of gay guys. I was in heaven. Yeah. It was so awesome. And Wes's, yeah, his vision. So it takes a village. So I wanted to give a shout out to Vince Pierce, who's the uh, DP on He's Potato so Dreams yeah. of America, who was one of Nancy's collaborators on, on Art Zone. He, nice. He's been her director and shoots a lot of stuff. And he does a terrific job of, of producing and editing their, their music segments. Uh, talented guy. He's great. Yeah. And I first met you because you were producer. Is that the right word? for yeah. silence yeah. um many years ago and you were just a baby and you were so good at what you were doing and <laughs> and you made that thing happen that i mean that was you it's know this fun project and 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 it should not have come together <laughs> but it did yeah i mean that is the power of a deadline i i went to sif i said i want to shoot a 35 minute millimeter feature with all the sound done live and i want to do it at the paramount and they said, okay, let's do that. They didn't say, what's it about? I mean, it was a rare moment. Yeah, <laughs> I don't real. know. I caught them at the right time. Yeah.
but that's how it should be. I thought that was a yeah. beautiful movie. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. 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 I loved it. it was, yeah. And, and, and you made it happen. So. Well, it's a blur to me because I was also a full-time producer for a commercial production company. So mm -hmm. like, I mean, I remember it. Yeah. And I remember. Okay. So we shot most of it at the old Northwest Film Forum. On 19th. On 19th. Yeah. 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 And. And somehow did it. Yeah, good yeah, job. Well, I, I wanted to ask you about the film that I, I think it's when I first became aware of your work, which is Ira Finkelstein's Christmas. We were mentioning that earlier. And it was in SIF, and I was working with Nancy's show uh, doing promotional stuff for SIF. And uh, I, I watched the film. I thought it was terrific. I really, really liked it. And uh, it's just such a unique idea and then very well executed. So, um, Oh, I, you you had some news about about that, oh. that film that we were talking about earlier. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is news. It, it shouldn't be, <laughs> but um, you know, it survived all this time. It keeps making money, um, and it was like unfortunately renamed into two different. Titles. I saw that. I know. Yeah. I and it wasn't like I had. I was supposed to have control over the title, mm. but they just did it yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that ran its course, and then I. I pulled it and it's now back to its title. That's okay. God. So know. wait a minute. Now you, this is the one thing in America we can never talk about is money and who makes how much. But when you say it's making money, I just need to know details, but um, you may not be comfortable talking about it. And that's well, okay. Well, you know, I mean, it's done. I don't mean numbers. I mean like, yeah, where does was, the money come from? Well, it comes from the distributor. Um, in truth, the distributor um, likes has written off a lot of um, expenses against mm. the film that are like completely mm. make no sense. Um, and that's the old distributor. Um, but we did continue every year to get some reasonable, reasonable sums that at least could be returned to investors. And, and it's kind of, uh, you know, it has it, it could be one of those perennial Christmas favorites kind of kind of thing. Uh, maybe not at the level of uh, Charlie Brown's Christmas or something like that, but I could certainly see it as something that would be uh, a perennial Christmas favorite. That's the hope. You know, what's hilarious is it just keeps making best Hanukkah movie lists. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't, you know, that wasn't like totally intended, but of course it's, you know, I mean, it is a Jewish mm -hmm. Christian yeah. uh, Christmas movie. It's really just a holiday movie, you know. So that helps when you're raising money. So I used to be able to look people in the eye and say, you should put money in this because there's a chance we'll make money and believe it. I did believe it, you know, and uh, with the film company, which was a company I had that made other people's feature. Well, they made feature films. That was I, I you remember the film. That? Oh, yeah. remember it. I wanted to get a get chosen. Well, you probably you probably would have been had we been able to continue. And the okay. goal was for it to continue. I mean, I've always wondered. This is now rambling, but the the, the 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 seed of this was in part when I learned what the budget, the annual budget for the Seattle Rep is, and I was like, wait, you could make like six feature films for that same amount of money, and yeah. and and why don't we have the Seattle Rep of film companies? Why not have us? A studio that anyway greg i uh, still believe in that idea i do too but i got sued and um uh, -oh. uh you know if you ever have a chance to not sue somebody take that because it it's it's damaging it's hard and uh it also came about at the time when just the the economics of feature filming especially indie filmmaking just cratered um yeah 
suddenly there was no money in DVD and there was no money at the Sundance Channel and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so now it's just hard for me to put together a budget like what you're talking about and think that I could look someone in the eye and say, you should put money in, um, help me out. <laughs> um, well, I think there's, I think it's twofold. I think, um, uh, I think it's about, you know, distribution and, um, not reinventing the wheel every time and trying to self you know, do self-distribution or, um, to try to do a Hail Mary of selling at a festival. Um, that's what to do or not to do. To do. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I think it's important to see if you can find partnerships with people who have first looks and already have that distribution outlook. Now, I can't vouch for whether or not that's still going to be a great deal, but I think it's going to be a better deal. Um, and uh, you know, making stuff that you know can make that keeping the budget small enough and that it's appropriate for the project that we think we can pull in this you know, with this, with a sale. That's like a good to hear. I mean, I came of age when it, there was like every year the world would throw up one indie film that would make all of us think, Oh, that's what we do. Right. And it was one or two, you know, and they right. weren't out of be thousands. And right. Thousands. And everyone's, you know, prospectus said the same thing and right. pointed to the same right. films and right. how much that movie made. And, right. and it, it was like, the golden ticket i mean it was what, illusory what are, what are some examples of titles that people might recognize well it, started, it all started with sex lies and videotape mm -hmm. and then just every year from there there was the next film clerks i remember came out when my first feature came out and i was like i remember pulled the uh, megan and co-star carousel and said okay your life might be about to change i hope you're ready for it <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so you know one yeah. one other thing i think is important is you know, when you went to make the film company, you were looking at, here's the rep, right? This this is like people who know this money's, you're not going to make a profit, okay? You're going to run at a loss. I'm pursuing investors right now who are people who write the arts checks, okay? People who, for them, it can lose the money, but it can be a great ride and a great piece of art. But they also have an investment that if it does make money, then they can fund other art, right? Mm. Um, and I think that that's a good way to look at things, too. I don't to think that you should just go and this is going to, you know, like, here's here's my waterfall. Here's going to be the return on investment, which, of course, you have to do and you're hoping for. Um, the other thing is I've been in a startup company um, and I also won angel investment pitches for Ira Finkelstein's Christmas mm. from angel investment organizations and i'll tell you i or watch shark tank okay like, shark tank is you know like the shark tank where people come and pitch mm. their ideas oh yeah yeah i mean the truth is is like all these people come in in startups or businesses and they talk about this great technology or this great product or the, i mean whatever whatever business you have and that it's going to do this it's going to be angel investment vc and then your hockey stick and you get a 10-year return so that's all bullshit anyway and usually 80% of them fail or 90%. So I don't feel bad looking somebody in the eye and saying, here's some advantages. You're going to know in two to three years if your money is burned and you're never going to see it again. But along the way, we're going to have a lot of fun. And I am going to keep you informed on everything. Because I've invested in other technology and stuff. I never hear a thing. I can't get any answers. Mm. You know, I So I don't feel bad. I mean, 90% of the companies fail 
Mm. I don't know why with film there's this reputation of, oh, I should have made money. And it's just like any other business. And you have a partner in this who's you can lean on and no, no, it's just you. It's me, baby. Yeah, <laughs> I have my husband. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, hard. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I wake up in the middle of the night. I woke mm. up in the middle of the night three nights ago. Mm. Uh, Cause I had a nightmare about the opening scene of ep the next episode. Mm. And if you recall what the, the first scene in the detective show and i just like i i, I don't know if we could shoot that and and i well, woke the snow, up the snow scene yeah oh, and i woke up like we, i don't know freezing cold because <laughs> you know we've filmed i've filmed in the cold before and there's no cold like filming in the cold like, yeah it doesn't get out of your body for no, months i know yeah and i was like what have i done <laughs> stay tuned for the snowman scene so <laughs> Episode one, season three. All right. Well, we'll be right back with more. This episode of The Uncertain Artist is sponsored by Cafe Allegro. Located in the University District since 1975, the Allegro is Seattle's oldest espresso bar, one of the country's finest coffee roasters, and apparently a popular hangout for artistic muses. I've been sitting at the Allegro working on one project or another, along with many others for decades I've even filmed there on more than one occasion. The coffee is as good as it gets, and the vibes are inspiring, so grab a table and get to work. And we're back. And I want to hear a little bit more about your inspiring thoughts about the film company and how we could, I don't know. I feel like I'm a little too old to do it again. I feel like if I were new to the town and I looked around and saw what was going on, I'd be like, come on, let's go. And now I feel stupidly like it's, I'm too old. I don't want to feel that way. I objectively don't think it's a true thing, but it gets in my way. Um, I think we're going to get you in a yoga class and get your <laughs> energy back. And I, I disagree because I think you have a lot of experience and perspective mm -hmm. and the film company launched Lynn Shelton's career. Mm -hmm. um, Brand upon the brain is in the criterion collection. Good to hear. And I think it's about, there's so many funders of arts here and I think cinema should be thought of the same way mm -hmm. and be, and, and also with the, with the tilting and the pivot of if Washington state is to have these amazing artists, and there's a lot of female directors here. How, and how do we bring up the young people? Mm -hmm. You bring up the young people on film sets, right? And with a chance to make something for them too, right? And hear new voices. And how do we find new voices unless they're funded? She's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very nice. I love hearing that. Thank you. I think, you're, I think you could do it. Well, I know, it's not a or question of... you're on the board of it. Nah, I don't want to be on the board. I what I'm good at is being a a catalyst. I'm good at creating structures that catalyze things to happen. I'm good at thinking like you are. We share this, like yeah, this should be in the world. I like, think we should have gonna... a meeting with John Robinson. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> you, well, you, you're certainly admirable the way you've set up this podcast. Oh, thank the you. way you've set up. I, the... I wasn't fishing for, for... no, <laughs> no. I'm well. I'm I'm promoting the podcast, but also the. The events that are coming up at, at SIF, where we're going to premiere, you're going to premiere the first uh, uh, first several episodes yeah. of season season three. 
in, in front of a live live audience. I mean, that's very impressive yeah. that you were able to arrange that. Well, a live audience booing. Well, the firstly, I, I don't think so. No, we've we've this we've terrible. We looked at the script. I'll bring my tomatoes. <laughs> we, we were work, we were work, working on the script of yeah. episode one just over the weekend, and it's looking good. Wouldn't you say? I mean, that is rare. I was sitting here going, "All right, is Joe going to get to the word good?" Because he just doesn't. Like it's his work. Like I'll send him the script, and he'll be like, "All right, let's meet. I've got some notes." And I never hear good ever. Hey, so that no, was pretty I'm gonna, nice. I'm gonna no, I'm not. It's little, fine. Yeah. But I'm going to give you a little tip. <laughs> Always start with a, hey, this was really good. And then yeah. the notes. Yeah. Just start with something to let the artist relax. Well, we're both artists. So I know, I know. Yeah. but he's giving you critique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think Nancy said it best on her podcast yeah. episode was that if she she starts with the with knowing that 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 uh, the artist is fantastic which is the way greg and greg mm -hmm. and i work together yeah. so um, okay so I, I i but i probably take it for granted that he doesn't need that so thank you I, I, <laughs> from from now on the first thing i'll say is fantastic let's yes. get, now let's get to work so we, the three of us worked together on episode 16. So the way that um, I, we put the episodes together, I write, we rewrite, we cast, we send out the scripts, and then we have a, typically after COVID, a Zoom meeting. So this was you, um, Joe and I, and we read through the scene and we make changes along the way. And I remember making a ton of change. Well, let me go back. Okay. So we ran into each other and you said, I, I just want a cameo. I just want to walk through the the frame. And I went home and was like, and I thought of this character that you would be terrific at of the makeup artist and basically wrote the scene because it was just basically going to be a scene of two people and then added this character and thanks to you. So then we polished it together, made a good script, a good scene. And then... And this doesn't happen a lot. I will say um, I'm not typically like this, but I set us up to fail. Like it was, we didn't have enough time. We had very little light. The location sucked. Um, I just didn't have it together. Uh, and it was part of deadline, deadline, deadline. So we actually filmed the scene uh, and, and uh, it came out terribly. And it was all me. You, you all, everyone did a good job. Um, and I just just found out today that you and that that you thought it was you, right? On some level, I'm certain it was me <laughs> because when he went and reshot it, I was recast. And I'm certain that that's because I asked you if you would do it again, and you were too busy. That didn't happen. I'm I'm going to find the receipts. <laughs> I must have a text. I will show you the email. It was more like, I'm sorry, Sue. The email was, I'm sorry, Sue. We didn't like how it worked out. So we went and we reshot it. Oh I have the email. I'm I'll show it. You are really? Um, but I still love you and I will always love you, Greg. Oh, I actually terrible. thought it was hilarious. And I thought she was excellent. So well, she was um, excellent. And I was probably big in the face. Okay. No, no. I, now I am remembering something because... So this is uh, Andrea or Andrea. I can't remember how she says her name. Um, but she was in the previous episode, episode 15, as the assistant, Matt Smith's assistant. That's right. 
And um, I went, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we saw her as like a wardrobe person who Greg's character thrust into, you're going to play a role, right? Which no one would get, but it made me happy. Now as I'm long as you're that. happy. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've forgiven you. Yeah, and I'm, I'm apologizing. <laughs> There's the fur flying. It was worse before we started the podcast. <laughs> well, I, it, it's, it's quite awkward because I, I want to talk about how terrific the scene was. Okay, talk about it a little. And I, and I think that was in. So this is a scene of what, Joe? What is the scene? Uh, well, well, it's it, it has a nice comedic structure to it because the makeup artist is trying to powder Megan and kind of she's sort of like the competent person while you and Megan are screwing around and you didn't sleep well last night you forgot your lines and all this kind of kind of stuff so we're getting ready to shoot a scene in the detective show right yeah actually it's the scene where we have our big kiss yeah that's right and when uh, one of the things I really enjoy about the, the the whole show is how we see you working on the scenes and you like in this case you go through the script and then we see the black and white version mm. of you doing Oh, so let's listen to a little bit of that. Yeah. Okay. But you could lose your job. We should actually take a look and see what the law says about that. You have your phone on you? Doesn't yeah. that take you out of your character? Yeah, you'd have your phone on you if you hadn't lost no, it. No, I wouldn't. It would take me out of the scene. It'd be too weird. Yeah. I'm a dancing astronaut who sees a poster of a hit play that her fellow alien astronaut is starring in so i think having my phone in my pocket doesn't really measure up to the weird you think the scene doesn't make sense no it makes perfect sense but my hands are freezing why are we filming outside couldn't we maybe see the poster in a cafe or something i wanted to get some of the beautiful fall colors before they disappear oh right actually beautiful good call Hmm. Uh, isn't it in black and white Oh, oh, idiot. Oh, my God. Stupid. Idiot. Stupid, stupid, oh, stupid. stupid. I'm sure it'll look better in black and white anyway. Thank you. Can we run the last lines? Okay, so Sue, is that the okay. first time? Okay. Um, have you actually ever seen the scene? Oh, yeah, you said you thought she was good, so you had yeah, seen it. Yeah. I totally and, watch it. And, but but please tell me it wasn't like you watched it thinking you were going to be in it and then surprise surprise. No 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 okay. no no. You had sent that, me the email that I was that not going email. to be in it. Okay. <laughs> um, but you were able to see ways that maybe you probably didn't remember, but you, you contribute. I mean, that was your character. So you know all the fun stuff that's in there is stuff we did. Yes, I get total credit for yeah, it. Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. But what's funny is because I didn't, I didn't remember that I had been so stupid in my email to you. I was actually, prior to today, extremely proud of myself for resheeting the shot because, you know, when you, especially if you started I could tell in, it was shot way better, better yeah. incidentally. Not well, we had ever so much more time. the lens, but yeah. I saw the way it was being shot and there was definitely way better reverses. The location was better. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was clearly, and we had time and there were some insert shots, you know, with the little, you know, and all that. I saw some nice stuff. So, you know, when, when I first started, I was making, did you start in film or in digital? Film. Yeah. So, oh, silence was 35 millimeter we shot. So, I mean, it was like, don't say action till everybody's ready and you better act within a half a second of action. And when I say cut, you better cut with, I mean, a foot of film was money. You could hear it running through the yeah. magazine. Yeah, and so the idea of like doing what in my romantic 
romanticization of uh studio hollywood studio would do all the time of like let's go back and let's reshoot and let's make it better you know um, you couldn't do that i couldn't do that um so any small time that i do that i feel so like proud of myself first i think reshoots are important yeah i on gory gory hallelujah my first film there was the big ending musical number and mm. we ran out of light yeah. And like, I remember even being, it was, that was film super 16. And I remember like, how can I make this work? And the reality was I couldn't. Mm. And so a couple months later we had to do a reshoot. Good for you. Yeah. That's hard. It's hard to, it's just, hard, it's mentally hard to jump over that hurdle and say, yeah, when that's you, what we do. And then you do. And you're like, duh. When of course you do, do you also go, well, if we're going to spend a day with an entire cast of 40 people. Let's also we're going to as they get dressed, we're going to do the whole musical number and we're going to do it with little vignettes of people. And we're going to actually have a dance number. Oh, how great. Right. Mm, yeah. You know, like we're going to do it better than the first time. And you have a whole like musical world that you. Are enveloped by. Right. Like you were in yeah. a band and didn't you yeah. don't you do like yeah. isn't there a I do. A I do. Um, Hoot Nannies. Yeah. Yeah. I, we have a Christmas band that has been playing every yeah. year for mm. a long time. And my writing partner um, Angie, and my creative partner, Angie Louise, mm. is a musician. Yeah. And, mm. you know, you know, and yeah, she's, love she's, markets. She's, yeah. You know, perform with Nick and, mm -hmm. um, you know, has been in Fifth Avenue shows, you know, so there's there's that whole world. Mm -hmm. She's got a lot of a lot of great stuff out uh, on Art Zone, actually. Yeah. She's performing on Art Zone yeah. a number of times. Really good stuff. Yeah. With, how, with the love markets. How do you how does music become a part of your films? Or is it change? Always, is it different each time? It's it's different each time, but like I, you know, like in Ira Finkelstein's Christmas, like the first, you know, like we were a couple drafts in when I was like, we end with a, of course the kids are doing a show, and of course we're ending on the musical number. Um, I think uh, I always think of theme songs, you know, like when I'm thinking of a, you know, like in this next film, it's like there's going to be a theme song for the main character. And when does the composer of that come on board? Is it? Um, I actually already talked to a composer and usually we'll have a, like Angie and I um, will have a composer and Angie might write a theme song or um, I might write, write, write something or ask Angie to write something. And um, like I had done a trailer for um, the lesbian and gay film festival years back. And mm -hmm. I was like, huh, what do we want to do? And um, we ended up doing like, you know, like the, we are the world. But, mm. you know, with a whole song about, you know, how great the film festival is and did it in that whole vein. And Angie wrote it. And we my husband's also a, a musician and an audio engineer. And we have a studio in our house. Mm. So we recorded the whole thing there. And so it's always playing into into what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Nice. Yeah. You know, I wanted to roll back to this site, the idea of, of reshoots or. Or, or or not being able to reshoot or when the when the reshooting is all done because I often think of this thing that Megan Griffith said in an interview uh, that when she helps other filmmakers one of the things that she often advises is how to make the best film out of what you got or this the footage you have rather than getting stuck in the idea that oh I didn't get that or I should have gotten that and I wish I had gotten that or mm -hmm. whatever. And I just thought that was such a powerful philosophy. And both of you as experienced filmmakers, I wonder uh, what do you th how how do you work with that idea or that perspective? Well I I agree with it. I mean you have what you have and you have to do your best, but if you simply don't have the scene or you haven't accomplished your goal at all and 
like you ran out of light or yeah you know something was terrible Mm -hmm. then then i would look at that right yeah for me it's too powerful of philosophy like i i I would have cut that scene together in a previous Mm. version of me Mm -hmm. despite i mean i just i screwed it up in lots of ways and i would have cut it and said that's it the ability to think wait i could grab an insert or reshoot an entire scene or add this one little i mean even to the point of when i watched some of the early episodes in season one i'm like why didn't i just double line in there like i don't even think to do that and part of that is i didn't have the money when i was first making films and part of it is this sort of philosophy of oh if you're really good you shouldn't have and it's it's for me it's a, um, a negative Hmm. Okay. Right. Well, and it's a question of the hump, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how how costly is that reshoot, right? right. Yeah. So, well, I, th- I think I think what what she was meaning is like when the when the dust is completely settled and the reshooting is done, and you know you're not going to reshoot anymore, and you're there in the edit in the editing, that uh, that e- acceptance is is the key, and you you do the best. Yeah, and for right. me, the the best part of filmmaking is discovering stuff in the edit and it, it is super fun when we review the edit and we realize oh then you can just dub this you movie. and i when yeah, we, when, yeah, we, yeah. yeah when we review the edit and, and you're not but that's still a miracle for me like if someone say well just redub the line i'm like what like it just doesn't occur to me it's a mental block based in history yeah okay. yeah i'm um, always trying to save the thing I'm more like, what can I do or how can I re-edit this or how can I move things around or mm-hmm. how can I make it better? Because I pretty much everything I first watch, I'm just like, oh, it sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, I just have to really and you have ex- So in the corporate, I actually know very little about what you do in the corporate world, but I know you do a lot. So you have extensive experience of saving stuff, making stuff work, fixing things. Well, I do like- a lot of narrative and corporate like episodic TV stuff that's internal. Um, and so I'll have multiple episodes and it's like, how can I make this more efficient? How can I cut it faster? How can I make it more exciting? And then of course I have clients, right? So, you know, there's things I got to do to find the note underneath the note of what the client's telling me. And and incidentally, just shout out to Megan Griffiths, amazing filmmaker, lover of everything she does. Um, she shot the first feature of the film company, which, which is an amazing film, but gone for good now. What, what What's that? It's called The Telephone Pole Numbering System, and it's oh. perhaps my favorite film uh, uh, that anyone's ever made. I, awesome. I, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, uh, so you're like a freelance, so you're, 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 where are you in the, if we made like a, a flow chart, where, where, where do you sit? Like, where do I sit? Yeah, in that world. In that world. Yeah. Um, I own a production company. I've had it for 15 to 20 years. It's called Von Piglet Productions. Clients come to me. They, I pitch them ideas. They have problems. And I write and direct and produce and deliver all the work they need. And is this a good time? Is AI impinging on your world? What's how's... I got replaced by an AI avatar only the other day. An AI avatar. Don't even I lost a that. job to an AI avatar. So what does that mean? What's yeah, what's that mean? I think, well, I mean, the AI avatars, I, if you haven't seen them, I mean, they're like human beings, mm-hmm. people who have sold right. their images and and their voice. Oh, mm-hmm. And basically it's a, you know, it's 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 text so to speech it would have of been, a human, like talking to the uh, camera, you know. I, I Would it have been you talking to the camera? No, or, it would have been me, like, pro- I, 
writing. I don't know. I I don't write a lot of things. It's just, you know, like narrators to camera. Mm -hmm. Most of my stuff is narrative Narrative, work, you know? Um, So I think for this, they thought, um, you know, what the, the things they wanted to teach people in the corporation could be just somebody talking to the camera. Um, I'll be honest. And if my client's watching, I disagree. And I think he'll be back Um, uh, because I think, you know, um, so I've used that in yeah. the show. I've said, "Oh God, we need someone off camera saying, hurry up, please." Oh sure. And so yeah. I'll grab it off. Oh, it's off all over everything. Somewhere. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't feel particularly bad about doing it. Yeah. Would Would you? Uh, no. I think there's uses for it. I'm I'm talking about if I'm trying to teach you something. Yeah. yeah. And I'm supposed to be a person of a certain. How weird. Yeah. You know, let's say I'm a sales. I, I work at your company and I do the job you do and I'm teaching you how to do something. Um, no, I don't feel bad about it. I just think this does disrupt. Well, we were talking about this today jobs, with, with AI know? setting jobs aside. I think because we were talking about um, everybody's like using plagiarism AI. I'm using journey. I'm using chat. But GPT, it, I mean, but... And part of it is, okay, now I up my game. Like I find other, th- I find ways to be doing something that AI can't, do which like you and i are doing anyway like uh, we're we're not in danger (laughs) of that yeah well we'll see but we're gonna we're gonna you're working uh some ai jokes into well jokes jokes (laughs) it's like it's what we're all up against i mean here's my issue ai right now is digging into everything that makes us human it's like you know i can write you can write that poem for your grandma. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you can, you know, it's, it's, it's just digging in, you know, you can, you will no longer need filmmakers. I'd really prefer that it solves like the most vexing problems mm-hmm. of our time, like yeah. climate change and war and mm-hmm. nuclear proliferation. Say the word. Thank you. I, I, that's, it's just, that's just my issue is yeah. like, I get this to me, this is the low hanging fruit, but it's also what like gives us purpose. <laughs> You know, and what I worry about is not we've had the chance to practice some of our art. I worry about my children and like, are they going to write poems? Are they going to paint? Are they going to draw? uh, Like it worries me. Well, the idea. I'm sorry. When uh, when Kasparov was defeated by Mm. Deep Blue, I think it was. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was him, but there were some chess masters who said, it's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like the the idea was. I'm seeing things on the board. I'm doing things in my head that no machine could do. That was what was partly thrilling. It's like, I don't even know where the next move comes from, but it comes from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then to realize that you're in a game that you can't win. Yeah. Uh, just took it away. And I think that's the difference with with this, is that we might all be in a game we can't win. Mm. Right? I mean, if, if, if we're to go down the dark but path. The, the principle that, of of the way AI works is it basically scrapes all the data from all human creation from all time mm. and then puts it together. So it's it's kind of like completely artificial. Uh, oh, yeah. New I'm not actually afraid of, of it replacing art in any artists in any way. I, but, I hope not. But I mean, I think what I'm trying to say is it's not that I don't think it's going to replace great artists, but there's a lot of people who how do you come up and be an artist? Yeah, yeah, yeah and practice i wonder if any of these lawsuits will be successful i think they will yeah i hope so Mm -hmm. well you as you must be helping i mean you hire lots of crew and stuff so you're helping people learn 
that's, on the set, that's, right? That's totally my goal. Yeah. I mean, that's part of, you know, I used to feel like, you know, to be honest, when I was younger, kind of like a little bit of a sellout, but I got to put bread on the table, yeah. you know? And now I'm proud, you know? I'm kind of like, yeah, you know, I mean, I employ people. This is yeah. good. Yeah. And I practice my craft. I get paid to practice my craft. What an honor. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I've pivoted through the worst times, you know, when commercial production kind of, you know? In, in the Northwest or just, in Seattle. Just kind of everywhere. It's like there's like really big commercials, but like really small. You know, like there used to be a lot of work, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, you know, just you're, it's a constant pivot. Like, where do you, where do you go? Where do you belong? Who needs you? You know, right now, some people need me to edit podcasts, so I'll do it. You know, like I, who knows? All right. Well, we have a question for our podcast from someone, one of our listeners. And if you would like to ask a question, listen at the end of the show, we'll tell you how to do that. Go ahead, Gravy. Okay. The question is from Pat in New York, New York. It says, you wear lots of hats. What's your favorite hat to wear in the world of film? I'm glad they added in the world of film. We would have been on a whole fashion tangent. And this question is for... You. Oh, great. Um, I think my favorite's directing. Like, being prepared, being on set, working with people, collaborating, being surprised, being pleased. Um having a pleasant great time like everything's prepped everything's we're there and now it's it's all happening and it's just it's a being in the moment moment you know now how do you leave yourself open to surprise because you're also the you have a script and it's yeah. your stuff is tightly scripted and so yeah talk about that a little. um well because everything's so planned and i know what i need to get it's then very easy to see when somebody brings something to it, you know, mm. like when an actor brings a read that's different than I was expecting and I like it and it's interesting. Um, uh, when a department head, you know, has an idea for something and it's it, anything that's elevating it, you know, bring making it even better than it was, you know. And I mean, some of that happens in prep as well, but. Um, there's th there's surprising things that can happen in the moment on set, and it's and it's awesome, okay, and it's just so, so pleasant. Wild card. So you're on set. You've got your actor. They're not doing what you want them to do. It's not working. What do you do? Um, I ask them kind of what their what their intentions are behind it, because um, usually the roadblock is that they're thinking of something that's not really correct for the for what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. um, so I just kind of ask them how they're interpreting it and what, you know, how, what they're thinking of. And I try to make the easiest adjustment, you know, like not talk them to death, hmm. just be like something like, oh yeah, actually you're not their father, you're their brother, yeah. <laughs> you know, like just the easiest kind of yeah. adjustment, you know, or um, find out what's tripping them up. It could be like if it's a corporate and not, not film, uh, you know, not creative necessarily. It could be that, you know, an actor is just like the the text, the dialogue is stuff they don't understand, you know, and they might need just a little context or, you know, just 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 finding out what it is. I and um, I also uh, my favorite thing to say is unclench. I'm a big believer of never watching a monitor and clenching, like really just believing that they're going to get it. And helping them get there. That's my job. Giving them a relaxed space. Making so them the feel like they world, have all the time in the world. You're watching a monitor. In 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 your film, are you watching a monitor? Always, yeah. Always, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Well, usually, 
multiple monitors. Cause I, yeah, I, I never do. Everyone's got their, their, well, way. you're performing. Well, even when I'm not, um, uh, I'm, again, partly this school. is old school because you couldn't look at a monitor when yeah. you film. Partly it's, I just, I've never learned to have that be uh, not kind of taking me out of being in the scene with the actor. Oh yeah. I'm totally um, on the monitors and yeah. I even like having the headset yeah, on. Yeah. Everyone's got their way. I, yeah. I wanted to ask you when you're talking about working with actors, I got to ask the, the uh, celebrity question. What was it like to work with Elliot Gould? Awesome. <laughs> totally awesome. And nicest person ever and totally interesting. Like he's like totally cosmic and from outer space, mm -hmm. like just philosophically. So, mm. um, I watched him and Dale Chihuly had a, have a conversation that like, mm. it was very cosmic. Um, <laughs> he, he, um, he really brings a lot to Ira Fickle. He does. And, and one day I went in to do a scene with him and I was reading the script and I was like, you know, this just really isn't working for me and it's too long. And I went in and I said to him, I go, you know, I'm not in love with this scene. It feels labored to me. I don't particularly care for the writing. I'm wondering if you have some ideas. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I do have an idea. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah. And he, and he goes, do you want me to surprise you? And I said, yeah, surprise me, surprise yeah. everybody. And it was a hilarious scene. Yeah. It was just absolutely hilarious. It was like this scene where he comes in and it's, you know, his, his, his son is coming. They're coming to pick up Ira. Ira's got a cast on. And it's the first time the family's realizing that it's not Ira. And his yeah. whole response was, they're like, that's not Ira. Where's Ira? And he's just going, what, what, <laughs> what? And that was it. End of scene. <laughs> Cut about a minute out of the movie and mm -hmm. it was just way funnier than anything that was on the page and he's uh he's up there with humphrey bogart as best detective on film and uh, robert altman's long goodbye yeah. wow that, totally. that, what a thrill yeah <laughs> totally a thrill yeah. i want to do we have a second i just want to tell you my favorite scene of your episode oh wow it's um megan at the end talking about the painting of the birdhouse with charlie oh. and that she doesn't know which one it is anymore and I really relate to that as a mom. That's so sweet. Yeah. It was, that. I thought that was a very poignant and sweet moment. Yeah. I um, added that later, right? Um, it, it, I remember walking past that, that set, <laughs> not a set, but the, yeah. The birdhouses. Yeah. And thinking, and she's so, um, Megan's always so good. Andrea is so good in that little goodbye right before. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, there's actors just blow me away. Like when actors are doing their thing. That's why that I was recast. Of, Go. You know? <laughs> 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 oh my God. Well, I think that's where we end our episode today. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Well, we'll get you on set again sometime. No. <laughs> I'll just come and help behind the scenes. I'm better oh that way. Oh my God. Would I be in heaven if you would do that? I will. Um, all right. Well, we've got. Lots to look forward to from you. And thanks so much. This was a treat. Thanks for having me. And thanks for coming back, Joe. Please join us next time for another episode of The Uncertain Artist. And if you have a question we can ask our guest in a future episode or ask ourselves, drop it to us in the comments if you're watching on YouTube or email it to us. Our email is theuncertainartist at gmail.com. Also, save the date. Season three of The Uncertain Detective will premiere February 26th, 2024 at 7 p.m. at the SIF Film Center. We'll follow the screening with a live taping of this podcast. So come join us.